Welcome back to another episode of Business Intelligence. I'm your co-host, Rohan Bandekar, and with me is Wei Chung Wong, my co-host. How are you doing, Wei Chung? Doing fantastic. Always glad to be doing uh, episodes with you. Uh, I know you have probably yet another list of questions that you want to, um, you know, see some guidance, and hopefully I could provide some insight uh, in helping uh, you when you have it. 100%. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm always excited to bring questions to you. My first question to you, however, is did you get enough sleep, Wei Chung? Because I know I know there's a three month old in your house. What is what is that like juggling between being a, a newborn's parent and an entrepreneur? I I'll tell you, it's always a difficult challenge, right? But but it kind of renews um the purpose in life for me. So knowing that I, I have I have not just one kid, I have multiple kids in, in my house, uh and with the newborn. Uh, it's always a challenge because you forget, you know, how it was like when when the kids were little, right? And now <laughs> you have to pay full attention to them, and and it definitely challenges me on the notion of work life balance. So how do I balance mm -hmm. the all these different important priorities in my life? And I don't see work as work. Work is really part of my life, and I think I'm fortunate enough to call work as part of my life because I know a lot of people don't see it that. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's a shame. And but I also realize that you know it's been, at least for me, a privilege that I get to come work as part of my life because I'm passionate about what I do. Not a lot of people mm -hmm. could say the same thing. And it becomes corny and cliche to just assume that part that work should be part of everybody's life. A lot of people want to look for, uh, you know, a venue to just make earnings to support their lives financially, and that's it. And you can't blame them. And, and I don't even know whether my responses are related to the question that you want. <laughs> I, well, I just, I just hear you avoiding the question, Wei-Chang. I just see you not telling us how much sleep you're getting. I'm not getting much sleep. I, I am not. Well, let's, let's just put it that way. I'm getting pretty old. So probably the amount of sleep that I need is not that much. I see. And, you know, it comes with, I, I believe, you know, having a newborn and running a business, multiple businesses, in fact, and. And teaching and you know i'm sure with all those responsibilities it it can get a challenging but i'm sure you'll manage i, I am trying to manage and i, I quite <laughs> quite honestly i enjoy the process that's that's good to hear that and that is a perfect segue into kind of managing work-life balance as well as talking about something which is um uh, kind of like a 360 from what we were talking about last week Mm -hmm. which was, or a couple of weeks ago, which was, you know, AI. Mm -hmm. uh, today, we were thinking of just kind of taking a, a backseat and looking at the work world and, and talking about a thing that um, nowadays it is talked about, mm -hmm. but it's also kind of uh, being uh, kind of overshadowed by this technology, by this economy, by, you know, AI coming up. And that is the importance of soft skills in this economy. Do you know right. what I mean? I do, but I, I wanted to first to throw the question back at you. I, I want to see how you define soft skills. What do you mean by soft skills? I have a lot to say, but I want to hear what you want to say about it. No, for sure. Yeah. So soft skills, let's, hmm. so when I... I, I, I always am like the guy for like not going into the dictionary for definitions because I like to like simplify definitions as much as I can for like everyday people to just understand. 
And I think soft skills are all the skills. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm like, I'm like making this stuff up. But you know, there are soft skills that are wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> right. So soft skills are all the skills that um, work alongside your your hard and technical skills uh, that are more more about communication, more about project management, more about uh, like uh, organization, uh, time management, things like that. That kind of build your your arsenal of soft skills that you can use in order to support your more technical what I call hard skills. Would you would you agree with that? I I, I would agree with that. Um, and you know I let me let me provide you with kind of like the 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 a textbook definition at least <laughs> okay from the perspective of economics because that's where okay. academic training is. You know, in economics, in labor economics, to be specific, we, we talked about two different types of skills, right? The, it's the t- mm-hmm. So there is general human capital as well as um, industry-specific human capital. So the industry-specific okay. human capital means that those are skills that you cannot carry over from one industry to another. Like if you're a pilot, I mean, the fact that you can fly an airplane doesn't help me as a marketer, right? I see. Right? Uh, so you can't, pilot skills are absolutely treasured and priced in an environment but in in the field of marketing piloting skill means nothing close to nothing Mm -hmm. right Uh, the general human capital however is something that you could carry over from one industry to another and i think i think by your definition of soft skills your definition is closer to the general human capital because the fact that you could write you could communicate the the fact that you uh, are a people person uh those skills could go a long way because it allows you to generalize and, uh, you know, it'll help in whatever work that you do, right? Even if you're a pilot, you know, being personable helps. Even if you're a pilot, being organized helps. Even if you're a pilot, you need to be able to uh, communicate effectively, right? So those are the things that I characterize as, as soft skills or general human capital in a sense of labor economics. Does that okay? Yeah, no, I oh, I definitely appreciate a more uh, academic approach to to yeah. kind of defining soft skills and what I call hard skills because I just thought that was the opposite of soft skills. Uh, but yes, gen, uh, you know, more industry specific skills. Would you say that like, um, would you would you say that there are different um, soft skills that are more effective or crucial in certain industries than not? And I'm talking about uh, the general general. Um, capital human capital skills right are they are there industries that are more using that as their primary go-to skills and i'm definitely you can you told us an example of an industry specific skill that is like an industry for airlines and pilots but like what is the other side of that um coin look like it it, it really depends i mean i personally i came from a consulting environment Mm -hmm. so in in that environment you you really need to be you know um uh uh, comfortable with, you know, being in a fast-paced environment, you need to really communicate well. You need to be personable, uh, but at the same time, you need to be highly technical, right? So those go, right. go hand in hand. So, so I can't really distinguish. It is is it the hard skill that that gets people hired in the consulting environment, or is it the soft skills? Probably a combination of both. But there are certainly industries focusing a lot more on or occupation, focusing a lot more on the soft skills side of things. I mean, if you're not, if you're not a people person, I don't think that you could be a, a, a good business development specialist because that occupation requires you to constantly interact with people, right? 
right. yeah. uh, but I, I will also say that sometimes uh, there are uh, uh, soft skills that are being uh, valued uh, more highly than others. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are there is sometimes skills that you can't have. Uh, there is a blur line in determining whether that is a soft skill or a hard skill. Like, for example, language skill. Is that a hard skill or a soft skill? Because one could argue it's a hard mm-hmm. skill. Because people put, mm-hmm. for example, on their resume that there are, uh, you know, uh, fluent in Spanish. But is that a hard skill? Some people will say it's a hard skill. And some people might say that it's a soft skill because being able to use a language, you know, you could be an introvert and people wouldn't be able to appreciate the value of that skill uh, a lot, right? Appropriately. 100%. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand. And I think it depends from like job to job as well. Like some jobs might require you to have a language as one of their job requirements. And then I feel like that can be considered more of like a a technical requirement skill than like a soft skill. Like if you are working in a bilingual environment or working as a representative for a different uh, language customer group, things like that. So I think certain areas goes from industry to industry, job to job. I think the the soft skills kind of um, like ebb and flow between uh, what is considered like soft skills, and I'm doing air quotes here, and what is considered technical skills, even even there, even if in general they're considered soft skills. So I wanted to ask, uh, just kind of talking. You you mentioned like you know what would um, a business uh, development person without soft skills. Um, you know, what is what is the value of soft skills in a business development person? I wanted to ask you, when it comes to like management and leadership in any organization across industry, uh, what role does soft skill play um, in in these management and leadership positions? Because I know it's super important. I know it, it really defines uh, employee happiness and things like that. But I would I would love to get your take on like, what is it about leadership soft? Well, so... <laughs> I'm trying to see what the best angle is for me to take to answer that question because I taught leadership uh, classes before. Okay. And the first question that I ask my students in the first meeting is always, can leadership be taught? And there are, there were always <laughs> students that said, I mean, if you don't think that leadership can be taught, what are, what are we doing? Why are you teaching it? <laughs> but I, I asked that question as kind of like a reflective exercise. Because mm-hmm. there are uh, people uh, that others believe that they were born leaders, and and I I tend to shy away from from acknowledging that or you know uh, agreeing with that idea, because even if you are born with leadership charisma, you you might not born with leadership skills. Mm-hmm. So the whole sequence of leadership training in any course module or certificate that you could come across is basically listing out the, or those courses and training modules help us list out the qualities and characteristics that that a good leader uh, must possess for for them to be effective. So if you come from that perspective then um you know I think people would agree that there are um uh, things that you must do. Right? So it's like a prescribed list like for example, you must listen to people. You must show sympathy. You must, uh, you know, establish goals in a certain way, like smart goals, 
you must not, um, uh, you know, uh, be emotional. You, you see what I mean? So there, there is a list of things that you must adhere to, almost like principles. But I think the hardest part is implementation because even if, like you and I both know, like being sympathetic is important, but the way that we show sympathy might be drastically different. And that sometimes is related to personality and our backgrounds and different trainings, right? Because I, the way that I approach problems might be very different from the way that you approach problems. So when you say soft skills, are those important? At 100%, absolutely. But it also depends on, you know, what your role is in what, how big of the organization that you're in, in what industry, what is the cultural identity and, and organizational identity um, that you must adhere to, right? So it really depends. No, 100%. Yeah, and I think you bring, that, bring up a very interesting point with, with kind of understanding um, the differences both in culture and personality, because nowadays uh, organizations of all sizes, everything from a small size business to a mid-sized business, and obviously large size businesses are global in many ways with a lot of remote employees coming from various cultures and various uh, backgrounds, and they're all kind of working together. And we're seeing this at all the levels of, of industry, all levels of business, and it becomes more and more important to understand uh, cultural differences, which can be considered a soft skill by itself, and to see what motivates people from different cultures and, and how do different cultural uh, backgrounds tend to, uh, what kind of work style they have. So I think the idea of, of uh, different identities and personalities is a big soft skill that applies, used to apply to like big organizations that were multi national companies, you know, but now I think even mid-sized businesses, they might want a website. They are working with someone who is based in Vietnam or they want, you know, a European agency to do their website. So like, I think that plays into nowadays in a more global economy, a much more uh, common um, kind of challenge uh, these days than it used to be before for smaller companies. Wouldn't you agree? And, and absolutely. And technology actually helps propel that, make it happen faster. And you mentioned technology and AI in, in the beginning. It seems like AI is the keyword of everything now. Uh, <laughs> that's I, how we get the that's how we get the hits, which are <laughs> that, <laughs> that's right. That's right. But but I, I will tell you a keyword strategy. I, I came across uh, uh, multiple uh, uh, you know TikTok shorts uh, as well as Instagram moments. Um, there are people that praise the AI tools and how influencers are now able to reach out to uh, people of different language and cultural backgrounds with the AI tool because the, the, the latest AI tool actually helps replace uh, the language, the words coming out of your mouth of, of an influencer and they will tone it the same way as you tone it in your native language, language. And, but they yeah. will translate into different languages as if the influencer is talking in your native language. I know it is insane. If you've seen some of those videos of people while they're talking, it switches and their mouthing mouth animation changes. Well, animation is a right. understatement. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but no, it this it is mind blowing. And yeah, you're right about like how does us what was considered a uh, a technical skill of of uh, having different languages play into uh, something like even building a program like this. You know what I mean? Like when AI is doing the translation, who's training those models? Who's teaching it 
to kind of do that. That suddenly becomes a soft skill that's converted into a very hard technical skill that's needed while building programs like this. Well, well, I, I'm pretty sure that our audience, some of the listeners right now, are being very pessimistic about you know with what I what we said about the new technology, mm -hmm. and then I'm I'm pretty I'm multilingual. Mm -hmm. And and should I be worried about? Oh, should I be worried about uh, the 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 value of being multilingual is now being lost due to the introduction of new technology? I'm going to share some hope with uh, people that uh, still value language skills, and I think the value is still very very much there. And the new technology mm -hmm. should not affect uh, the value of your language skills. And here's why: I think for us language learners, we know that there is a level of co cultural competency required that goes beyond Rosetta Stone, right? You, right. Could, you could learn to be proficient uh, with tools like Rosetta Stone and the AI could replicate or you know translate languages with no latency, with no change in tone or accent. However, the level of cultural competency is not there. Meaning that the fact that I'm multilingual, I learned those languages uh, through my understanding of the different cultures. And I will say that I personally was able to establish different cultural identities because of my language learning journey. And I don't think the AI tool is at, at least at this point su superior enough to replace that. And I kind of share a similar sentiment in September 2023 when I was being invited to be a panelist in an artificial intelligence conference. Mm -hmm. in uh, Northern California. And I said the same thing because I think the, 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 the big part that AI is missing, especially with respect to replacing the soft skills like cultural competency, is that they don't have an effective way, at least right now, uh, or enough computing power to understand the context, right? To mm -hmm. understand how we humans communicate with one another. And that goes back again in the soft skills, right? How do we lead our lives on a daily basis? They may be able to, AI may be able to replace the functions and certain features of our lives, but the things that bring us satisfaction, the, bring, the things that brings us the sense of accomplishment cannot be replaced by AI. I wouldn't stop learning languages just because AI could help me translate. Right, a hundred percent, and I think there's so much that um, between different languages, things can get lost in translation if you just go by word by word, because different languages say things differently, not just with different words. Uh, and there's a lot of context and cultural uh, differences uh, when it comes to translations. And while while the translation that we saw is pretty mild blowing, mind blowing, it still is kind of uh, incomplete without that context that you mentioned about cultural identities and cultural differences. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, take a, we'll take a short break. And once we come back, we'll continue talking about uh, soft skills. And uh, if you're a small business uh, owner or a mid-sized business owner, uh, what does it look like to kind of use soft skills in the work environment and improve your career, your company's efficiency and productivity? Absolutely. So we'll be, we'll be right back. And welcome back from the break. Before we left, we were talking about the importance of soft skills in today's uh, work environment. Uh, with me here is Dr. Oi Chung Wong. Um, so I, uh, before we left, I know we talked about um, 
just various soft skills and primarily focused on on soft skills that are uh, communication heavy. Uh, but are there any, in your experience as an educator, as an economist, as an entrepreneur, are there other soft skills that are uh, kind of like get overshadowed by the the people skills, you know, yeah. that uh, are as important as you, you we think other soft skills are? And you're absolutely right. I mean, people skills are probably the most talked about skill when, when it comes to soft skills, right? People always think that, oh, I must be personable. And there are introverts out there that are, that are, that are worry sick at this point. I mean, it's, it's their personality. Uh, but how many times have you heard people said that, oh, you know, when you try to interview for a new job, just be yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Just try to be yourself. And, and I think being yourself is very, very important. And then, and being personable doesn't mean that uh, as an introvert, you can't do that, right? Uh, and we talked about being yourself. As a matter of fact, we're encouraging, we're encouraging uh, you know, a gen- genuineness, right? We, we were, tr- we're trying to let people know that being genuine is important, is critical. Um, mm-hmm. and, but you are correct. Uh, yes, being uh, a people person or being willing to go out of your way to spark conversations uh, might be important, but that that is probably not for everybody because, again, you want to be yourself. I mean, can you imagine getting a job, um, you know, faking yourself during the interview process and you get a job? That would be exhausting, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Disaster. Um, so what I, through my entire career... I, I really value curiosity. And I think mm-hmm. that being curious uh, is is a lost art. Because a lot of us forget about the value of be, being curious. Like how many times, when you grew up, like how many times have you had the aha moment? You know, trying to learn how a toy worked, right? And right. finally figure out, <laughs> oh, okay, if I do that, that's going to create some sounds. I mean, as a as a dad to a newborn, I I am figuring that out every single day. So <laughs> so really, the bright look in my kid's face reminds me that curiosity is actually a lost art. And I will tell you that in a business environment, being curious is probably more more important than anything else. Because being curious is going to motivate and force you to go out of your way and get new information and digest new knowledge. In the, today's environment, which is ultra competitive, like for example, knowing AI and knowing how AI is going to help you, when you argue that being curious is important, you don't necessarily have 100%. to know everything about AI, but you at least have to show interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I get it, and I really really appreciate your kind of merging of personal life and lessons from your your newborn and watching that aha moment in in his eyes. And kind of, you know, inspired you to like kind of remember, remind yourself of the curiosity yeah. that's important in in any profession, any um, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a creative, uh, following the curiosity of what's happening in the world in the industry, as well as what's happening in business, what's happening in uh, different leadership styles and, right. and cultures out there. Because as a as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a manager, being curious about what are the different kinds of leadership um, kind of strategies out there? What are the different ro- way, roles you can play? Like all of the curiosity is going to drive a, a force to kind of help you get better at what you do as, you know, multiple, as, as you play multiple roles, 
And I, I will give you another example. And I think those, that, that example actually helped me tremendously in, in both my professional life and personal life. Mm -hmm. And as an economist, I believe in capitalism. I believe in market economy because that's my training. Right? And as a mm -hmm. business professional, I honor market economy because that's the economy that I'm operating in. And I, you know, I better provide services and products that are being valued by my clients or else I will be out of business. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other day I came across this, uh, this podcast because of my curiosity, um, and I, I clicked on it and listened to the entire four-episode series. You know, full disclosure, I'm not being compensated by this podcast. And I'm, not, I'm not. Yeah, this is not an ad. But no, this is not an ad. Uh, uh, it's by, uh, I think, uh, uh, Vox, Vox Media. Uh, and the title of the podcast series was Blame Capitalism. And immediately okay. my attention was caught, right? Because, again my training and the, the things that I'm doing professionally requires me to follow market economy or capitalism. So it's a four mm -hmm. uh, episode series podcast and they did it in September, 2023. And I finished listening to all of it. I mean, it took a historical perspective, but it really helped me, you know, kind of re you want to say renew my belief in capitalism or, you know, enhance my understanding of the historical context that helps me become a better business professional. Again, that curiosity, that that sense of curiosity helps me go out there, push me, go out there and get new insight and information. In addition to that, I've been following this ethics professor at Harvard University who was very famous. I actually went out of my way to meet him in Asia. And it was a, it was a close invitation, invitation only event. Um, I was able to participate in his keynote speech the, the professor name is Dr. Michael Sandel. I'm not sure whether you've heard of it. So his whole idea is that, um, you know, uh, market mechanism, market economy is uh, not perfect, that we should probably do away with market economy. And he argues that there are things and services that uh, uh, we should not let market economy decide um, or allocate. And I, I just found the 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 idea and the premise extremely interesting despite the fact that the whole idea goes you are an economist yes exactly <laughs> yeah so and i again it it makes me a better professional i wouldn't tell people that i'm well read i wouldn't tell people that i am um um uh you know a a, a know-it-all person but every time when i find an opportunity to learn something new despite uh, that something new might be very different from what I believe. I actually get pushed harder by myself to learn it. Uh, so that's, I think, what's required to survive and thrive in an ultra-competitive business environment like today's. No, 100%. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. That was very insightful to, to kind of listen to, I mean, following your curiosity also includes listening to perspectives that you know you would originally like in your as an economist you're listening to the the opposite perspectives and the opposite uh, you know kind of arguments and and it's your curiosity that allows you to to listen to an argument that you do not originally yeah. kind of learn and i think that in in like the idea of philosophy of creating robust knowledge it's like listening to different arguments is what creates a more stronger argument um 
in general, I would right. say. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, there are many soft skills. For, for those of you that are worried about new technology replacing us, um, I, I, I want to focus on the bright side. That is, there are certain um, uh, uh, values that you provide as human beings in terms of soft skills that can never be replaced, at least not uh, at, at the current technology level. True. And just like we talked about in our previous episode about AI, it's it's kind of um, always going to, uh, the, the human element is always going to survive in one way or the other. Right. You know, I remember us talking about uh, the ATM machine and how that right. kind of replaced cash sellers, but that's kind of converted into uh, the human curiosity and the ingenuity to create uh, more creative services or, you know, you know, develop fintech. Like in that industry, like that's kind of what the human creativity has gone into. So I believe that like soft skills are something that are uh, very kind of um, very central to um, like humans working in like the work world today. And they are super important in, in many, many industries. And I really appreciate you kind of like sharing your perspective on that. Sure. I, I do have a final question that I wanted to throw back at you. Okay. Uh, do Do you think that through the education system that uh, that you were part of, were you able to get the quote unquote soft skills from the education? Okay. This is Wei Chun knows this is a loaded question because once I was a student and he was my professor. So, <laughs> but I, I that is a that is a fantastic question. I have I have always always wondered this as a um i call myself a multimedia creative i've always wondered what the value was of learning um the powerhouse of the cell as mitochondria versus um you know something like how do i manage time or manage burnout or you know stress um i i think um in my personal life i i grew up in india and i went to high school in india and uh, there is a lot of focus. The culture has a lot of focus on like hard technical skills. And it's not true everywhere. And it's kind of changing as well, which is, you know, a good thing that they're focusing on the, the more valuable soft skills that kind of supplement uh, and complement actually the, the technical skills that go with it. But growing up, uh, I, I came to uh, the States to study um, at, uh, you know, and Wei Chang was one of my professors and I took one of his classes that I would like to shout out, it, it was a class about personal investing. And this was the first class that I realized that it is not about grades at all. Like, like this class was about a life lesson that everyone who's going to graduate college needs to learn. I would call it a soft skill. I would call it a life lesson. But I would say uh, a class like that, and, I've, and you know, I've, I've done a few, a, little, a few more classes like that, and every now and then I've stumbled upon a kind of course that, or like a, a, a formal education, uh, like a, a segment where I'm like, oh my God, this is a skill for life. Um, I have kind of appreciated that a lot. In general, long story short, I know that was a long-winded answer to say, uh, I, can, I think that the formal education system can focus a little bit more, in my opinion, on building those soft skills but I think it's also doing it. Um, and I think uh, teaching uh, teaching people 
like I, I understand the value in learning about the mitochondria being the firehouse of the cell, but at the same time, I truly think that people need to do, know how to do the taxes or learn more about the insurance industry, or, you know, learn how to do time management or, you know, how, how to do meetings and networking, which is more important real world life skills and soft skills that people need to have to create a successful career. So thank you for asking that and uncovering the, the uncovering kind of soft skills in the education system. <laughs> Yeah, it's all what would you say? What would you say? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you're from a, a slightly different generation, not to call out your age here, but uh, you're from a slightly different generation than me. I was, I'm wondering what the perception of soft skill has been when you were kind of, um, you know, in, in school and in college. Like, what was, what was the conversation back then? So I, I will tell I mean, uh, our colleague Joey and I did, a, did an entire episode of podcast talking about education and the challenges facing our existing education system, uh, particularly in the U.S., but not just, uh, you know, in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. We, I, I came from a generation, like you said, I mean, we focus a lot on hard skills and, and we believed that the technical skills are, and hard skills are the ones that will lead you to a fulfilling job or high paying job. Right? And as a matter of fact, you know, you look at the, the current higher education environment in the United States. So many uh, parents of prospective students um, are looking for um, job outcomes, right? Job market outcomes, uh, which is why, I mean, we stir up a lot of conversations in um, the society trying to justify the value of higher education because um, people, I mean, even the government wants to take a look at job market outcomes and they will accuse certain higher education edu uh, institutions not doing their job appropriately enough if their students could not get uh, jobs afterwards um, mm. and which it, which leads to conversations in um, criticizing certain uh, for example liberal arts majors like language majors mm. history majors um, humanities uh, and and their job market outcomes immediate job market outcomes on average are not as good compared to as compared to for example, business majors or computer science majors. But I think our education system um, doesn't focus enough on soft skills. And there's a reason why. I mean, I, I talked some uh, at length in that episode that we put together two years ago. But part of the reason mm -hmm. why was because the soft skills are u usually harder to measure. Right. I mean, there's your SAT for your time management skills. <laughs> so and because it's harder to measure, we it's harder to teach. Right, because we don't know what we were teaching, and we don't even know whether what we're teaching is is effective. True, it's not a outcome driven skill to teach, where something like computer science or coding can be taught, and someone can produce an outcome, yeah. an output, um, you know, an output driven skill. Yeah, like unlike that, yeah. But things like critical thinking, things like uh, uh, you know, communication. Once you learn it, you could extrapolate it to other areas of your life, which I argue is probably more valuable than and fulfilling, because the hard skills, yeah, like programming <laughs> skills, uh, could be easily replaced by AI now, right? True, it's the soft skills that are the core to yeah. to what we do. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you, thank you for joining us for a very fun and and high energy episode of the podcast. Which it was a pleasure talking to you. Of course. Well, thank you. I need to go back to deal with my newborn now. 
<laughs> there you go. All right. We'll see you back next week. But until then, take it easy.